Good morning, Chapel Hill. Thank you for being here this morning. Good morning to all those of you online that have tuned in with us. It's good to have you here. All right, you're going to need a Bible this morning, so if you have a Bible, get it out. If you have a Bible app, open it up. And um, if you do not have a Bible and you want one that you can follow along in, just go ahead and put your hand up in the air, and our ushers are coming right now. They've got some Bibles there that, um, that you can use. And if you do not currently have a Bible of your own, just keep the one that you're receiving right now. Take it with you. Uh, before I get into the message this morning, um, I want to um, bring Stephen Bradley up here. And uh, Stephen is part, he's a missionary with Steiger International. And um, I, I, I'm willing to say with, with great pleasure, I, you're a part of our church family. You've been with us Thank for a you. long time. And we love That's you. And pleasure. it is awesome to have you again. Thank you. Thank you. And Stephen's going to tell us about an event that's coming up that is really uh, I love the, the turn this has taken, the, the form that it's taken this year and everything. So why don't you tell us what's coming up in May? Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Stephen Bradley. I'm part of a ministry called Steiger International. And our heart is to reach those who would more or less never walk into a church, the globalized youth culture, as we call them, people ages like roughly 18 to 35 who are kind of disenfranchised, part of the nuns, like the religiously unaffiliated. And so one of our many tools that we do to try to reach them is we have a band called No Longer Music, which I've been part of for since 2008. Actually, our first show that is similar to what's going to be happening on the first, which I'll tell you about in a second, happened here. Right here. Yep. At, right on this stage in, uh, what was that, 2008. I think so, so, yeah. Incredible. It's already... So long. Yeah, um, so, <laughs> so we've got this event. Um, we're calling it the Summer of Impact. In the past, we've had a similar event called the Send Off Show, and it's taken place at Grace Church primarily. Um, that's where this is going to be taking place. May first, six thirty p.m. That's a Sunday night uh, over there in Eden Prairie in the main auditorium. So we need a lot of people to show up in order for it to look good. Uh, but we're going to be not only doing our show for you, um, this brand new show, brand new music, brand new storyline. For those of you who have seen a No Longer Music show in the past, it is going to look different this time. And we believe this is going to be our sharpest and most effective tool for sharing the gospel outside of the church that we've ever had uh, as, far as, as far as our group. And uh, yeah, we want you to be there. It's free. We do ask that you register ahead of time. And it's going to be an event, like I said, not only of our band, but it's also going to be speakers. We're going to have a message from David Pierce, who I'm sure all of you are familiar with uh, at the end of, our, end of our show. I'm so excited. It's going, to be, it's going to be awesome. So if you open up your bulletin, you should have one of these in there this morning. You can take a look and uh, register for the event. It's going to be awesome. We're going to help you to become more equipped to reach the global youth culture. We're going to, like I said, not only do our show, but we're going to be really outlining what we're going to be doing as a ministry here in the Twin Cities throughout the summer and how you can specifically be involved. So it's going to be great. Don't miss it. And um, I'll see you there. I'll be playing this guitar too. So, you know, <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I can't, how many of you have seen the No Longer Music show? Okay, look around. That's a lot of people. Those of you who have not, you need to see it. You need to understand what God is doing through this ministry around the world. And now um, they have really upped their game here in the Twin Cities. And they're going to talk a lot about 
us and, and how we reach people here in our city, in our communities. Um, there's a lot going on, and, and the show is new. And so come. Um, that's the, the morning we're doing the, the Serve Sunday, the Family Serve Sunday in here. And uh, that evening, uh, this is a great way to spend the evening. I would strongly, strongly encourage you to come to this show. Um, they kind of outgrew us. And um, I, I, the, the year when we replaced the carpet up here was kind of a sad year. It was great because we got new carpet, but it was sad because the stains from the fake blood from their show aren't there anymore. And so we can't just refer to, well, that's from Steiger. It was just, they had, they had such a great show here. We, uh, we packed this room. This is one of those times when it was, it was unbelievable. There was no space in here. We had scaffolding at the back with lights on it. We had people sitting on and hanging off the scaffolding for the show and everything. We've got a long, long partnership with Steiger that's been going on for, for decades now. And um, let's be there in support of them, in support of Stephen. Um, he's got a table out in the lobby here. Feel free to stop by there and, and ask more questions, introduce yourself, get to know the guys that are here. And uh, there's good stuff coming up. So be there May 1st. All right. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read the account that Matthew wrote of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is Palm Sunday. Today's message will be the first of three Easter messages that all tie together between today and Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. They're all going to tie together, and I would encourage you to be here for as many as you possibly can. Um, as you've seen in our communication that's gone out and in the, the little black card in your, your bulletin, the theme for this Easter season is Jesus is Blank. We're going to confirm together the identity of the one this whole season focuses on. All right, so let's read through Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. This is how Matthew captured the moment. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden." The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem... The whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. All right, this morning, I want us to become the crowd in that story. You are the crowd in the story. And even though we know a whole lot more about Jesus than they did, and honestly, we are really privileged to know that much more and to be able to see that much more of the picture. I want us to consider the Easter story this morning, beginning with the Palm Sunday account, from their perspective. Because in a lot of ways, we are that crowd. 
And we have to ask some of the same questions they did, particularly the one that they asked in verse 10. Who is this? Who is this? Over the next three services, we're going to consider some essential truth as we make our way through the Easter season. This question about Jesus, who is this, is at the very core of what we believe as followers of Jesus and members of God's family, members of God's kingdom. But let's back up a little bit and and put this in a context that's more familiar to us right now, okay? Uh, I've got a question for you. How many of you are readers? You love reading books. Book readers, you love taking in information, the stories. Um, How many of you are podcasters? You love listening to podcasts. How many of you listen to far too many podcasts? Yeah, that's a common thing right now. How many of you um, are are into things like TED Talks, something you can watch, you can watch a speaker give their talk and you really get something from that? Another thing that, that we get into, ways that we take in information. Let me ask you a question about what you read about what you listen to, about what you watch. When we read or listen or watch, aren't we opening our minds to whatever is about to go in there that we, just, we can't just reach in and pluck out if we don't like it? We take a risk every time we start a book or a podcast or a TED Talk, don't we? And because there's a risk, we usually, not always, but usually have our radar up And we want to know something about the source's credibility. If this person is going to influence me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in other ways that I may not expect, I have to at least have some degree of confidence in that person's credibility. Hopefully. Hopefully I'm not just randomly pulling anything and just letting it go in my head. But this isn't a sermon on foolishness, so I'm going to leave that alone for now. I want to know who's influencing me. If I don't, I risk wasting my time or being led astray or worse. I can be negatively influenced by things that enter my life through my eyes and ears. I know that. So did the crowd that was following Jesus that day. They, turn, they tuned in to Jesus And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus came long before the invention of digital media. Um, I would prefer to have been alive during that time, but most of us can't even imagine what that would be like anymore. (laughs) Nevertheless, we still have that inner red flag that reminds us to be confident of what we're exposing ourselves to. We want to be confident about the sources that we listen to or watch. From our passage in Matthew 21, we can see a few things that the crowd saw in Jesus that gave him credibility in their eyes. Let's look back at a few of those things from the story. We can see in Jesus, what can we see in Jesus from the Palm Sunday story that gives him credibility? Well, the first thing we see in verses 1 to 3 is that Jesus was a miracle worker. He was a miracle worker. There was something incredible And kind of scary about the fact that he told his disciples what was going to happen in the immediate future. He told them where to go. He told them what they'd find there. He even told them exactly how others would react when they did something that on the surface appeared to be stealing donkeys. This is what you'll find. Do this. This is what the response will be. 
this is what you need to say. That's pretty amazing. He obviously had some credibility about him. And if you look back just a little ways, before this story, you'll see Jesus doing all kinds of miracles, including giving sight to the blind, walking on water, feeding crowds with very little food, and even raising the dead. There were many, many eyewitnesses to all of those miracles. Jesus had credibility. Who is Jesus? He's a miracle worker. I'd follow a miracle worker. Then in verse 5, we get another answer to our question. It relates to a prophecy that was spoken hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. In Zechariah 9.9, the prophet said this about the future arrival of Jesus. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, prophets had a lot of credibility to God's people back then. So when Jesus shows up riding a donkey... And some of the people were already wondering if he is the prophesied one. This meant a lot. It spoke volumes. Who is Jesus? He's the prophesied one. Jesus had credibility. That prophecy spoke of a coming king. And so the crowd treated Jesus as a king in that moment, as their king. They rolled out the red carpet, made this time from palm branches and their cloaks, They hailed Jesus as their long-awaited king, the son of David, their ancient king. Who is Jesus? He is the king. Then in verse 9, there's a word shouted that's become one of our favorite words to sing on Palm Sunday. It's the word Hosanna. And I love that we sang a song this morning that explained what the word Hosanna means. It means save us. The people of Jesus' time were waiting for the arrival of the one who would save them as a people. They were waiting for someone who would end the oppression they were facing as a nation and make them powerful again. And so they called out to Jesus to save them. Who is Jesus? He's the Savior. And then, in direct answer to the question that the whole city of Jerusalem was asking, who is this? Those who were with Jesus shouted back, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And there's something that we need to see about the way that this term, the prophet, was used in this context. The crowd that followed Jesus that day was identifying him as the Messiah. Listen to what was written way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 about Jesus. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. That's from Moses' writing. And he certainly had credibility, so people listened. Who is Jesus? He's the prophet, he's the Messiah. The people that followed Jesus that day had plenty to go on when it came to answering the question of who Jesus was and giving him the credibility that he deserved. He had their respect and reverence in that moment. They hailed him. They praised him. And if the things that I just mentioned weren't enough for them to go on, think about all the other answers that they already had 
to the question of who Jesus is. In Matthew 3.17, at the Jordan River, when Jesus was baptized, there was an audible voice from heaven that everyone heard. That voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And remember that this camel hair clothed crazy looking dude named John was even given credibility by those who listened to him and followed him. And now Jesus shows up, is identified by John, and has his credibility epically affirmed by this voice from heaven. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. Another voice with tons of credibility belonged to the prophet Isaiah. God's people were very familiar with his voice. Isaiah had prophesied 700 years earlier the arrival of the Messiah. In Isaiah 7:14, he wrote this, Therefore the Lord, himself, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. From the time of his birth until this day when he entered Jerusalem, the people had plenty of time to make their minds up about Jesus being the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Some, not all, had come to terms with the meaning of Emmanuel. It meant God with us. Who is Jesus? He is Emmanuel. God with us. And Isaiah gave them plenty more to work with. It gave Jesus all kinds of credibility. Jesus' identity came with names like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So as the crowd gathered around Jesus that day, waving their branches, shouting their praises, and declaring their allegiance to Jesus, they had plenty to stand on when it came to Jesus' credibility. There were other accounts of Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem. The account in the book of Mark is very similar to the one in Matthew. There's a written account of this day in the book of Luke as well, and that added some insight. The story is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. And there's a statement that Luke includes in his account that adds some detail to what was happening. Luke says in Luke 19.37 that the crowd followed Jesus toward Jerusalem and as they started down the Mount of Olives, this is what happened. It says the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. The things that Jesus had done, the miracles that he had performed, obviously made an impression on the people following him, and that gave him plenty of credibility at the time. Now Luke also tells us that some of the religious leaders of the day, called the Pharisees, weren't impressed with this celebration and told Jesus to silence his followers. So Jesus puts them in their place. And he replied that if his followers were made to be quiet, the stones along the road which he created would burst into cheers. John also gives us his account of what happened that day. He shares an interesting bit of side information with us that I think is really significant. Each account of that day, from the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
all reference the prophecies from many, many years before. But John clarified something about the understanding that Jesus' disciples seemed to have lacked. In John 12, 16, this is what John wrote. He said, his disciples did not understand these things at first. He's including himself in this too. He didn't get it at that time. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. John reminds us that there was a gap, a gap in understanding in the midst of the flurry of affirmation and praise. Even the disciples didn't fully understand what was going on and who Jesus was. Now, I saw something in the story this time, a story that I've looked at every year for pretty much my whole life. I saw something in the story this time that made me take a pause and reflect for a while on what those people were thinking and how it all relates to us today. If I was there that day and I pulled somebody aside from the crowd that followed Jesus and I asked them the question that we've been asking today, who is Jesus? I can see that I would have heard plenty of answers. He's a miracle worker, the prophesied one, the king, the savior, the prophet, the son of God, Emmanuel. They would have expressed all kinds of credibility regarding Jesus but we know that they didn't see the whole picture. Especially when it came to the idea of Jesus being the Messiah, the one sent by God. They seem to have seen part of who Jesus was. And it seems to me like they saw Jesus as everything they wanted him to be that day. They had expectations of the prophesied Messiah. There were even various groups among God's people who had different expectations than the other groups. So who was Jesus that day? He was everything they wanted him to be. They saw a lot of true things about Jesus. He was a miracle worker the prophesied one, the king, the savior, the prophet or Messiah, the son of God, Emmanuel. But to them, he was, with their limited understanding, the Jesus that they wanted him to be. This is what I believe that we can take away from the story this Palm Sunday. If I ask you, who is Jesus? Will your answer reflect the Jesus that you want him to be? I want Jesus to be the miracle worker. When someone I know is sick, I want him to work a miracle. We've been talking to Don Dickey, who's in the hospital, and she has had a miserable few days. Two blood transfusions in two days. She is suffering. I want Jesus to be a miracle worker. When someone I know is far from him, I want him to work a miracle. When I see something in me that needs to change and I can't do it myself, I want Jesus to be the miracle worker. 
I want Jesus to be the king that I want him to be. I want him to be just. I'm just, and I want him to be just. I want Jesus to be the savior. I want him to save me from every hardship that I face. I know he can. Ultimately, I want Jesus to be the Jesus that I want him to be. There's one answer from that day that's not written in the story, but I think it needs to be stated. Jesus was the misunderstood one. Jesus was seen as only part of who he truly was. They saw the part that they wanted. Jesus was identified as the person that they wanted him to be. To answer the question of who Jesus is with terms that describe who I want him to be just isn't enough. It's not the whole picture. Today we celebrate many things about Jesus that align with who we want him to be. And all of the things we've talked about are true. We love these things about Jesus. But on Friday, we're going to add to this picture. We're going to talk about Jesus being who we need him to be. Not just who we want him to be. And then next Sunday, we'll put all that together and we'll fix our eyes on Jesus and see him for all that he is. At least all that we can see for now with our earthly eyes and minds and hearts.